Hey guys, welcome to Two Guys and a Mic. We are minus one mic, so it's just Brian and I this week. Brian, good to see you. You as well. So, um, we're going to start off this week uh, by thanking all of the new subscribers and uh, Facebook members and all that. We've seen some uh, some traction. So, once again, follow us, guys, at Two Guys and a Mic. That's number two, Guys and a Mic. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And we'll move right into our What You Drinking Beer of the Week. Um, Brian and I are both drinking the same thing this week. We uh, just got back from a trip to Tennessee where we visited the Apple Barn Cider House. Um, really, really good selection, I think. They had a pretty good diversity, but Brian and I picked up what's called a Hop Zen. It's a uh, cider, but I guess they, they described it as kind of a a, a IPA style. Um, Brian, you, since you've had a couple sips, why don't you uh, give a little rundown and tell us what you think while I take my first sip here. Yeah, I enjoyed a lot. Um, I'm a, a cider drinker. Um, you know, I try to stay away from the you know Red's Apple Ale and all the commercial stuff that you see everywhere. But um, I think what's nice about this is it kind of brings together both the things that I love about a cider and the things I love about a beer. You can definitely taste um, some of that hoppy flavor coming through. Makes yeah, it a little you, less sweet. Yeah, you do definitely um, get some good hops in there. It's not like right. super, super sweet. It, right, it, and that's my my main complaint about a lot of the mainstream ciders is you just get so sweet. It's like you can have one, and then it's like, I don't know if I can keep drinking this. It's so sweet, but I think this is kind of mild on the sweet side. Yeah, I, I really enjoy this. I, I bought several of these while we're up there. I like that it's not like super carbonated. Right. Um, it, it's kind of smooth and you know a little bit smoother than beer, uh, and definitely like some of the... Uh, the other hard ciders, but uh, I, I enjoy this. I really wish we get this more often down here because I would drink this more regularly. I, I'm a fan of ciders. I know Mike, who's who's not able to join us today, is not a fan, so he missed a uh, a good week because he would not have enjoyed drinking a cider. <laughs> right. Um, so, no, well, uh, we'll go ahead and, and talk about some things going on this episode. We're gonna we're gonna play like a girl. Uh, someone's gonna score eight touchdowns in a single game. Uh, we're gonna talk about some prime time performance issues, some COVID inconsistencies, and someone forgot to check the medicine label. So we're gonna start it off with college football this week. Um, over the weekend, we saw Sarah Fuller, who became the first woman to play in a regular season game in one of college's. Power Five conferences. Fuller suited up last weekend after every member of Vander's, uh, Vanderbilt's kicking team was forced to stop practicing when at least one of them came into contact with someone who tested positive for the coronavirus. Sarah, you know, opened up the second half with a with a kick. It was a, a squib by design. Traveled thirty yards. That was really all of her her contribution to the game. Um, what happens from here, Brian, with, with women in in sports? You know, will this kind of popularity of the story kind of spark a change and and make a a difference in the future? Um, I don't think so. And you know, we can get real political on this subject, but I'll try to keep it you know keep it down for the the interest of the listeners. But you know the. I'm a fairly conservative person. I don't want to get into my beliefs, but you know, I can't, I think it's great, right? It's a great story. You know, if there's going to be one position on a football team where you can put um, a female in um, and have her contribute, it it's probably kicker. Um, and I think the problem is, you know, it was a big deal leading up to Saturday for the game. You know, I saw the story and my first thought was like, man, I really hope that she doesn't have a safety come unblocked on a kick and just like rattle her to the ground. Um, I, I think it's a safety thing. And, you know, I understand there's this push for equality and, you know, almost melding of the genders. But you're talking about SEC football, guys that are 250, 300 pounds, hitting each other at full speed. I'm not saying that a woman can't take a hit, but to a certain extent, 
it's not the same as a man taking a hit from another man. And that's just my personal opinion. I think for safety reasons, this doesn't go much farther than this season. Um, you know, I understand the whole getting people into coaching. Um, you know, if they have those qualifications, great. Um, as a guy who played football growing up, I could never imagine just the mentality that I had playing lining up against a female. There's no way I would have the ability to go full speed and just like wreck them, if that makes sense. See, I guess I, I'm actually a little bit different. I want to start out by saying that I think this is a great accomplishment for female athletes. I, it's really kind of unique and and really a big accomplishment. Uh, she stepped up for her school when they needed her without hesitation, and I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision for her. I mean, as much of the notoriety is, is that would become from it, and someone may find that interesting, it probably wasn't an easy thing, you know. Just probably oh, for sure. was, was uncomfortable for her. Um, but but you're right. Men and women are built differently for the most part. Um, with that being said, I, I don't think that men and women necessarily need to be segregated in terms of sports and athletes um, and have men's sports and women's sports. I think that at the high school and collegiate level, it's maybe a little bit more important. Uh, but when you get that top ranks, if you can compete and you can earn a spot, I have no problem with with uh, a, a female athlete doing that. Um, I guess but, the problem is, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I think we could talk about this for an entire podcast, right? This this particular this uh, topic. The thing is, is we start blurring the line then also of what constitutes male and female. And now we're getting super political, right? But, you know, what if it was the opposite way around? And I know there's been stories uh, that have been coming out throughout the sports world and particularly when you know, the Olympics and stuff like exactly, that. Exactly, where you have um, you know, individuals who once identified as males now identifying as females and breaking world records after 30 years of having testosterone <laughs> flow through their veins. Right. And then they get to a point where they can just decimate these female records. The question is, if you let stuff like this continue to progress, you know, what's the, is there a stopping point? Or are we just playing with a double-edged sword where as soon as you open the floodgates, you know, you have to let it be approved across the board. And I think that's where serious problems start, yeah. um, you know, coming in. I think, well, I'll change it real quick on that. I think when it comes to Olympics, it's a little bit different. Um, it's it's more of a historical cultural thing, I think, because um, certainly like cross country skiing is is one where you know some of these men and women could be you know equivalent. Maybe a, a male is more stronger, but that's more weight, where a woman is is lighter and quicker. So there there are trade trade offs to kind of that, but. I think with the Olympics, it's a different story, whereas you're talking about professional sports, it, it could be more acceptable. But going back to this story, I'm not fully behind this story. I think I do think it's a good accomplishment. It's a great story. But it kind of feels like it's um, kind of like a publicity move. Um, you know, Vanderbilt's, I think, 0-8. They're not doing very well. There's nothing going on. It's kind of a way to get eyes on your school um and, and to be honest vanderbilt doesn't have a men's soccer program i think if there was a men's soccer program that's probably the first place they would have turned um could be wrong on that but uh, i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that they probably would have turned to the men's program first for a, a kicker as opposed to the women's program um you know but there are the story that i want to hear is is that female athlete who fought against social norms who put herself out there, earned a spot based on her merits and actions. Um, you know, we've had players like Ashley Martin, who was the first female player to ever score in an NCAA D1 game, uh, which back in 2001, but, you know, social media and stuff like that didn't exist to the extent it does now, so it, it didn't get the traction, you know. But I think that's more of a, a story where would empower women to, to compete at the same level. You know, someone who's put in that grind and who probably got picked on and bullied and, and had to deal with those things, but went with it, earned her spot, and, and you know, wasn't equal to them. Um, 
so growing up, I played hockey, and uh, you know, I like to think at a somewhat competitive level for the time. You know, being Florida, it was definitely not like Canadian juniors or anything like that. You know, but I played travel hockey on several teams in high school and college. I played, uh, I play in beer league now. You know, but um, in some of my travel teams, we had a female goalie, and she was a great athlete. Uh, in my senior year, she made the high school team as our starting goaltender. Uh, it, and she was a good athlete, and she was just as good as a lot of the men. Uh, so I think there are positions out there where women are just as good. Uh, if you're talking about an O-lineman who's 350 pounds, uh, I'm not sure that's the place. Um, but if a woman's able to do it, then then she she did. She should, you know. But, I mean, I think regardless, it's an inspirational story. I hope this affects some young girl out there to follow her dreams and play the sport that she plays at the top level. And in future years, I think we'll see more females in high school and collegiate sports competing with men. And maybe ultimately one day we'll see a female in a mainstream American pro level. Who knows? Right. Uh, You know, we can say, like I said, we can talk about all day. So I'll just, you know, kind of wrap it up with the, I think the most interesting thing is that the head coach of Vanderbilt was fired the next day. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I didn't that see that. Any, yeah, I don't think that had anything to do with the fact that he put her on the team more so that they're no. now 0-8 or 0-9. No. Um, so and they're a bad 0 They're like a Jets 0-9. Right. right. Well, when you, the, the best part of this whole thing was she only had the opening kickoff. No, she the was, it was on the field. That's the second half kickoff, right? Yeah. So then she didn't have anything in the first half. One play. So yep. I mean, when your team's that bad, I mean, the coach is going to get fired. But um, with that being said, let, let's move on um, into the next topic, and I'll I'll kick it off. So Magic Eight Ball a week after rushing for a program record three hundred and one yards and four touchdown, the Buffalo Bulls, not the Buffalo Bills. Let's not get confused here. Running back Jarrett. Patterson is turning heads after putting up another eye-popping performance in Saturday's game against Kent State, in which he finished the game with 409 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. He is the first player with consecutive 300-yard games since Heisman winner Ricky Williams in 1996 Go finished eight and 18-yards shy of the all-time single-game record. Um, through only four games... Patterson is just 80 yards shy of his third straight 1,000-yard season and has the fifth most rushing yards of the season. Should Patterson be a Heisman candidate? What do you think? Yep, he should. He should absolutely be in the discussion. He's only played in in four games where most teams are playing eight or nine, I think, at this point. Uh, but he, he won't. He, he's an undersized running back that plays in a non-Power 5 conference. Um, you know, he reminds me a lot of Maurice Jones-Drew. I, I went back and watched uh, highlights from his last two games. He reminds me a lot of MJD, and and I think he could be an effective runner. I mean, right now, the top five Heisman candidates are all quarterbacks. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think Patterson would be my choice for the Heisman. But does the Heisman race really need five quarterbacks? You know, like, there's, there's definitely a QB bias selection. Um, the last four winners have been quarterbacks. And nine of the last ten have been quarterbacks. The only exception is, uh, can you guess who? The last ten years? Yep, he's on your fantasy team. You put me on the spot. Uh, Derrick Henry? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I understand that the quarterback position is the mo- probably the most influential like position on the field. But they're selected at such a high rate, it doesn't give anybody else a chance to really be, even if they're at the top of their level. I mean... Are there no defensive juggernauts out there or like a future DK Metcalf that should be like considered for this trophy? You know, uh, maybe their position should be factored into a little bit of selection. I, I don't like seeing five quarterbacks race it off. I, I'd rather have uh, you know, a defender in there, a running back, a wide receiver in there. I don't care if there's three quarterbacks, but that fourth and fifth guy, they need to go. They need to consider somebody else. Right, no, I agree. I, I don't like the five quarterback things. Why is Trevor Lawrence in the conversation again? Can we talk about that? Has I think, he even been playing? He hasn't played five games. Yeah, but he, if you look at his games of work, minus the one game he, he kind of bombed, I think he deserves being there. He he was a front runner. I don't care if he's the number three guy. Right. I mean, the problem I, I have with that though is that for for years it's been about stats. 
the Heisman has been about stats, right? So how do you have a guy who hasn't played five games is nowhere close? And, and you know, I'm probably just being a homer because I think the Heisman should go to my boy Kyle Trask. Come uh, on, go Gators, mm-hmm. right? Alma mater. But, um, hey, they have a chance. They have a chance this year. All right, so give me that. But, uh, no, I think I think he should be considered for sure. I mean, it, 409 yards and eight touchdowns. You know, I don't know the, the defensive prowess of Kent State, um, I'm watching some highlights now. He, I, I do agree. He reminds me of Mojo from um, Jacksonville, you know, good downhill runner. Remember when Reggie Bush won the Heisman? Yep. How exciting was that to watch yeah. him run for USC? And maybe the problem has just been other than your Derrick Henry's um, and, you know, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin last year was in the conversation, but of course didn't end up winning. You know, we haven't had, I guess, may, maybe as many breakout quarterbacks. And, you know, since you the. Running backs, I'm sorry. Um, I think really the other problem with all these quarterbacks is, you know, I think the co- the college game has evolved so much into a spread, you know, quarterback option type, mm-hmm. you know, power five. That's what they all run. You, well, know, you, guys, all- you got so many dual threats out right. there. You got Kyler Murray, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. All those guys were, were runners too. RG3 when he was there. Um, Lamar Jackson won the Heisman, right? Yeah. So running so, back so did Murray. win. So running back did win. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> no, but I agree. Um, anybody who puts up eight touchdowns in the game, I mean, put them in the conversation. And I do see a couple of major, um, <clears throat> major um, outlets, you know, talking about him. So let me see what he does. Uh, I mean, I agree. He won't. Ha- he will never win. But. Yeah. I'm interested to watch him. I want to see if he puts up 300 yards next week. I'll, I'm I'm going to look for it. I'm going to turn into the Buffalo Bulls. I never thought I'd say that. And, uh, you know, maybe there should be a computer model that helps select the Heisman. I mean, the NCAA has never gone wrong with a computer algorithm, right? I mean, have they picked anything right ever? <laughs> uh, well, we'll go into our, our prime time discussion here. We got Kirk Cousins, Mike's uh, Mike's boy. Uh, you know he's known for his uh, prime time performance anxiety. He's gone 17 for and 16 in his 23 prime time games, but these days Tom Brady has been giving him a little bit of company. You know Brady historically has shined under the national spotlight. You know when he was in New England, he went 50 and 21 in prime time games. However, this season and his first season with the Bucks, he's gone two for three, and in his last two prime time games. He's only thrown for two touchdowns and five interceptions. What's going on with Brady, and is he the reason Tampa is so inconsistent? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I've said this for weeks. You know, I've you know been up and down with the Bucks, and I've picked them a lot because the problem is they're inconsistent. They have a game where he looks like the 25-year-old Tom Brady, throws five touchdown passes, and they decimate their opponent. And then they have games where he's throwing the ball not so well, you know, outside the reach of his receivers, throwing interceptions. And I'm like, whoa, you know, Brady, did you not, you know, take your, you know, your vitamins this morning? Like, what happened? I just think he's getting old. He's I, he's had a constant, in my opinion, the last three seasons. You have seen a constant um, decline in his performance. Absolutely. Um, and you know, I'm gonna. Of course, he's not listening, but um, you know, I would tell him, you know, Tom, you need to really consider what you do after this season if it doesn't go the way you want. Because I think if he comes back again next year on this, you know, trajectory trajectory that he's on. It could it could end up bad, and I don't think that's something he wants to end his career on is having a season where he throws more interceptions and touchdowns. And I know that's crazy to think about, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, I think you're pretty right. You know, I mean, really, what's going on here is he's 43 and he's throwing entirely too much. He's averaging 39 and a half passes attempts per game. That's uh, say 40. You know, at his age, that that's got to take a toll. Even even as good of a, a 43-year-old as he is, he's probably younger in, than most 43-year-olds. He's got a great routine and nutrition and all that. So, he, But it's still 43. You know, he's on, on 
rate to throw for his second most passing attempts in his career. You know, at, at the 43. So, you know, coupled with, with, with you know, father time kind of taking his his long ball away, it's it's really hurt them. It's made them the inconsistent team they are. I mean, their running backs don't help. Um, their running game is pretty inconsistent too. But, uh, you know, since week five, Brady's ranked dead last in passer rating for deep ball throws. So, I mean, it kind of tells you that they, they're just ineffective, you know. I think part of it's ego. You know, I, do you think that he – how much impact on the game plan do you think he has? I would say probably a lot. I'd say 90% of it. Right. And I, part of me feels like he's trying to still prove something. Yeah. They're I mean, sitting think- – yeah, they're sitting six now mm-hmm. in the NFC. One uh, half a game above Arizona for the sixth seed. Right. They better be careful. They are. They got to be careful, especially because, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, Drew Brees is sitting out getting getting rest, and he's throwing forty times a week. You know. Right now they have the Viking Vikings, Lions, and Falcons twice, so I think they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, we could see around. We could see around the next exit though. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So. Let's do a quick take here. If the roles were reversed and Brady was still on New England and Cam instead went to Tampa, who would have more wins this season? I'm probably going to still say Tom Brady just because I don't think Cam... The problem with Cam is, in my opinion, is he's not very accurate anymore either. So I don't know if Cam going down to Tampa with those weapons really helps him that much in the passing game. I still feel like he's a very one-dimensional player, or, or at least has morphed into a one-dimensional player. And I think you're talking about Tom staying in the same system that he'd been for 22 years. So I'd probably still get the, ed- the edge to New England, but it would be closer than in years past. So in my opinion, Tampa has the better O-line, the better wide receiver group, the better tight ends. I'd say New England's got better running backs, and I think the defenses are pretty even. So as a team, minus those two quarterbacks, Tampa's got the better team. Oh, for sure. Cam would probably do better with a better O-line, give him a little bit more time, allow them you, to run routes, get better, get some holes. <clears throat> with all that said, I'm still taking Brady. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think, they're quite, I think they had a better team last year. And New England did better. So the question is, do you think Cam Newton would have been better, is better than Jameis Winston, right? Who threw 40 touchdown passes last year. And I don't think uh, he is. I think they're probably on par. I think, I think you're right. I think they're about even. They're, right. It might so, book to that same caliber. Same type right. of player, same caliber player. Right. So, I, again, Brady, McDaniels, and uh, Belichick, I'd give them the edge, uh, regardless of who they have. I, the interesting thing would have been if Brady stayed in New England, does Gronk go back to New England? Um, you know, I think he stays retired. Yeah, I agree. So, but, uh, let's go on to the next topic here. Talking about some COVID. So COVID strikes again prior to Sunday's game between the Broncos and the saints. All four of the Broncos quarterbacks were ruled out due to COVID Broncos quarterback, Jeff Driscoll tested positive. Uh, and because the other quarterbacks took off their mask and around him, they were deemed close contacts. The Broncos asked the NFL to postpone the game, which was denied. Then they asked the league if the offensive quality can co- control coach Ron Calabre- Calabrese, or Calabrese um, a former college quarterback, was an option uh, given his familiarity with the team's playbook. Again, NFL said no, no, not so fast. The Broncos finally settled on a wide receiver, Kendall Hinton, an undrafted rookie practice squad member who had played some quarterback at college. On the other hand, the Ravens-Pittsburgh Steelers football game, uh, which was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving, um, has been moved to Wednesday afternoon after the Pro Bowl quarterback tested positive, talking about Lamar Jackson. Um, The game was originally, again, slated to play on Thanksgiving. It was first moved to Sunday, then moved to Tuesday, and then they just played this afternoon um, after Ravens players expressed health concerns and wanted another day of practice. Does it seem like the league is selective, selectively enforcing and rescheduling games? And did the Broncos ever have a realistic chance to win their matchup, Logan? 
So I saw Goodell and, and get on the, the soapbox and talk about how the NFL is making COVID decisions related to medical information and consulting their 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 doctors and their their advisors. But I don't I don't buy it. The Broncos quarterbacks were not forthcoming when they were dealing with the NFL and the Players Association. They were I don't want to say lying, but essentially they lied. So I think this is a punitive move by the NFL, not a medical decision. I think that the NFL said, listen, you lied. We are not letting you move your game. We're not letting you put your coach in. You know, you got to come up with another solution. <clears throat> so I'm fine with that. I'm fine. The NFL says, listen, you were not forthcoming. We're not giving you the benefit of the doubt. I'm fine with it. You know? That- yeah. Um, yeah, that that's the problem is I think if it was any other situation where, you know, the teams were being completely, you know, <laughs> honest about the situation, you didn't have this particular instance where um, the quarterbacks or whoever from the, the personnel staff uh, was disclosing information, then I felt probably would have allowed them a little bit more leeway. And, you know, I agree that they needed to take this action. And we're talking about the Broncos, who, let's be honest, have no realistic chance of really getting to the postseason. So the NFL was, of course, going to make this kind of decision on a team who has, um, you know, a very small chance or probability of going far into the playoffs because they want to signal to the rest of the league that they're not going to tolerate it. So we talked about it in weeks past. We talked about the fines. We talked about what's the next step, whether it was, you know, teams uh, being forced to forfeit games and let's be honest, this was essentially the NFL telling the Broncos that they were going to be forfeiting this game because to answer the second part of the question, to call up a undrafted wide receiver who has played quarterback before, there's no chance you're winning that game. And I think if you watched any of the highlights from that game, it was clear that the person playing quarterback has not played quarterback in quite some time. So, um, But I agree that NFL needed to do what they did um, and they were going to do it in what I think I said this in previous podcasts on a team who has no playoff implications so that the rest of the league maybe has a wake up call. What do you mean? They, they, if they would have beat the saints who don't have Drew Brees, mm-hmm. they would be at five and six, the same record as the new England Patriots. Are you saying the Patriots don't have a chance? I think the Patriots are out of it too. In a division where you have two teams that are two games up on them. I agree. So, Sorry, Jason. I, <laughs> I mean, that's just the way the cookie crumbles, right? I mean, they were four and six going into the game. Who's winning that division? Hmm. Could it be the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah. Hmm. And uh, is there another team who's potentially also doing better than them? Oh, the Raiders, and they're tied with the Chargers. Okay, oh, I'm sorry, one game up on the Chargers. You know, the Bills uh, made sure of that. But um, what other chance were they going to have? Oh, I agree. There, wasn't, there wasn't a shot in hell. Right, there wasn't a shot in hell. They were in this game. Right, they're running, and the NFL's running out of time to make an example of somebody. Right, you don't want to wait till the postseason. You know, to make an example, you can't. So, especially when the team's not being forthcoming. I mean, what do you expect? We go back to third grade, you know, what do they tell you in school? You know, we tell the truth and all that good stuff, you know, so, you know, apparently somebody wasn't listening and did they not think the league wasn't going to find out? Yeah. That's the thing to me is really no one was going to find out. Right. In today's world, nothing's a secret. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they did what they had to do in my opinion and hopefully teams, um, will kind of take this serious. I mean, Regardless of whether you're a believer in what's happening in the world right now and the mask and all that, the, the policy is the policy, whether you like it or not. So I guess let's quickly shift to the Baltimore and, and Steelers game. Did that game go how you expected? Oh, it was super sloppy, and that's exactly what I expected. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, they hadn't practiced in days. You know, I, I heard Mike Tomlin, you know, make a statement. Um, you know, that the guys were kind of happy to have a little extra time off. Oh, I'm sure they were. Right, but, you know, in a normal NFL season, most teams have a, uh, you know, a practice protocol and schedule, 
And, you know, the human body is something that gets very regulated to a certain schedule. Um, And when you don't play football for six days, seven days, no practice, it's going to be sloppy. Ravens didn't have Lamar Jackson. So you got RG3, the one-year wonder, uh, come in. And then he didn't even make it all the way through. No, through an interception. They had to put the next guy in who actually threw a touchdown pass. McSorley. Yeah, put him in, coach. Yeah, I'm thinking McSwarley at quarterback, Lamar Jackson at the uh, H back. <laughs> I mean, next game, you're six and five. Why not? <laughs> they um, could, they could use a rusher, right? So yeah, it was sloppy. I expected it to be sloppy. Which you know, can, can the Steelers get any more breaks? You know, oh, I know. in their quest to sixteen and zero, you get a little sweaty. <laughs> you get a little sweaty there. You know, nineteen seventy two Dolphins, huh? I mean, they're coming. You know, here's the thing: is is it's, it's a Dolphins tradition so i I do abide by it but i definitely wasn't around i had no part in that i had no skin in that i i wasn't even a a glimmer you know so i don't know i'm not too worried about somebody coming along and and breaking it i do like the dolphins hold that distinction but Mm -hmm. i mean you also got to think they played with a shorter season back then um you know you had two three more games back in there and that could be a different story. Right. Well, while we're on it, real quick, Steelers' upcoming schedule. Redskins, Bills, Bengals, Colts, Browns. Two weeks from now, in Buffalo, Sunday Night Football. Probably the one team on that list of five that has the highest probability of an upset. Who are you rooting for in that game? Oh, not the Bills. I not know a, because not you a, need us to lose. Not a shit. Hell, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we we're down one game on you, so we need a little help. So I will not be rooting right. for the. You know, uh, and I think the they'll building. probably beat us, to be honest. Um, but you know, I think they go sixteen and zero in the regular season. You but think come they will? on the Kansas City? I mean, with the schedule they have, they're Why beating we, the Re- they're beating the Redskins. Right, they've got some some pretty right. easy schedule. But like they're, you're not they're be- you're not going to rest somebody. You're not going to. You know, look ahead and, and and miss a team. You know, I mean, if you go fourteen and zero, right, and that means you beat the Redskins, the Bills, and the Bengals in the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. Two of those in primetime football. Um, don't you have to go for it? You're Big Ben. You're almost done. See, your career's almost over. You have a chance to go sixteen and zero in the regular season. If I was, if that was me, I'd be like, I don't give a fuck. I'm I'm playing. Yeah, you know. I mean the Colts are the Colts. They're they're a decent team. They're inconsistent, but they're a decent team. The Browns, man, the Browns are the Browns. Yeah. You know? The Who Browns. says they don't steal that? I know. The the Cleveland Browns sitting at a very quiet eight and three. Could you imagine the Browns are the ones that that beat the Steelers? I mean it's it's again, it's not outside the realm of possibility, and it's in Cleveland. True. Last game of the season. True. So, but no, I think they go for it. If you're that close, you have I hope to they go do. For I hope it. they do. But, but here, I mean, here's the thing: they go undefeated in the regular season. If your Buffalo Bills have to face either the Chiefs or the Steelers, oh god, who do you want to face? Oh, come on. This is I think it's the Steelers. I mean, I, I still think the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. 100%. So, 100%. I mean, I don't think the Steelers have had that hard of a schedule. Looking back, <clears throat> I mean, you couldn't have predicted that the you know their schedule would have been... The, who would have thought that the Ravens would be 6-5? and five? Right. So... Who thought the Browns would be where they are? I mean, <laughs> Tennessee <clears throat> too. I mean... And I'm just looking. It, it's crazy to me looking at the schedule now. Giants, Broncos, Texans, Eagles, Browns. That was the first five games. Yeah. Okay. Titans, Ravens, Cowboys, Bengals, Jaguars, Ravens. That has got to be one of the easiest schedules in the league. Mm-hmm. Other yeah. than the Browns and the Titans. And the Ravens. I mean, the, you would right, expect the Ravens, the Ravens not, to be a better team. But here's the thing. One, two, three, four, five. Six of their games have been decided by a touchdown or less. Yep. So they're not blowing anyone out. Yeah. Well, except know? for Jacksonville and what they beat 
They beat the Browns the pretty Bengals. bad. Yeah, the Browns, the Bengals, and the, the Jaguar game was a blowout. But, I mean, they beat the, John, the Broncos by five. Beat the Texans by a touchdown. Yeah. Right? I mean, so their defense a team, in my opinion. They have a good defense. So, you know, defense wins championships, but I'd rather play them than the Chiefs. I've already played the Chiefs this year, and it didn't go well. <laughs> and that was at home. <laughs> yeah, because you're playing on the road in the playoffs. I don't want to go to Arrowhead. I want to go to Arrowhead. They got fans. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, hey, Brian, stop me if you've, heard, if you've heard this one before. The Houston Texans just lost their top wide receiver. Again. That one? Again. Yeah, it yep. sounds familiar. A couple months mm-hmm. ago? Yeah. That's Go right. On. The Texans just lost their star wide receiver, Will Fuller, as he's been suspended for six games for violating the league's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. No. Yeah. Yeah. And there's only five games left, so he misses one first to a week next year. But via his Instagram, Fuller announced that he has sought treatment for a medical from oh sorry from a medical professional, claiming his trust in his professional was misplaced as he has been unknowingly been prescribed a substance banned by the NFL. Fuller has b- had by far his best season of his career. He's amassed 879 receiving yards, eight touchdowns in 11 games. After not playing more than 11 games, his entire, like, since his rookie career. Um, you know, it complicates things because he's a free agent in this year, so it may affect the team's decisions, Probably not, but are you buying that this was an accident or did he know what was going on? You know, that this was a banned substance and it was not permitted. Right. So it's a hard story because, you know, it's not like Will Fuller is, uh, you know, walking around and gained, you know, 30 pounds in the offseason. And I think the numbers can be explained by the the fact that they did lose their best receiver in the offseason right. um, in Hopkins. So obviously Fuller was going to be the next guy up um, to take over that that production. Um, but, I mean, come on. I How hard is it to know? I'm sure he knew on a personal lever, level, and for some reason I'm thinking of Space Jam right now, right? Remember the scene where Michael Jordan goes in the locker room and he puts the stuff in the water bottle and it's called Michael's secret stuff. And they all take a sip out of the bottle and they're like, Oh, I feel great. Yep. I'm sure he knew something was going on behind the scenes. I don't know if he specifically knew what substance he was taking, but there's a reason this list exists. Most of these substances have some type of performance enhancing effect. And usually um, as myself, somebody who um, has been a pretty avid um, gym goer and CrossFitter, I've, I've taken my share of substances, not steroids, but substances, supplements. supplements. And you know when you're taking something that's like, oh boy, I feel good and I'm ready to do something. So I'm sure he had an idea that maybe there was something in the water you know, helping him out a little bit. But did he purposely take stuff to that he knew was going to get him banned? Probably not. But it was probably one of those don't ask, don't tell situations. Right. Um, that's that, that would be my opinion. You know what I'm buying? I'm buying that Will Fuller is a fucking idiot. That's what I'm buying. Oh, yeah. I, I am tired of this excuse. You hear it every year. Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't know. It's my responsibility. Yeah, it is your responsibility. You're responsible for what goes in your body. You need to make sure that whatever treatment you're getting, you know, won't cost you and the team a suspension, you know. It's on the players, not the doctor. You know, if you're going to be nonchalant, nonchalant about what you're taking, then you take the risk and you take ownership of what happens, you know. This guy made $10 million in guaranteed money this year. You're telling me he couldn't get a second opinion? Hey, just double-check this list for me. Get one of your boys to do it. Say, hey, here's a list of stuff. Check what he's given me. You know. Well, that's you- what I was going to say. That's what interests me. We're talking about an NFL football team. Right. They knew he's going to see this guy. Right. They, they, they got to know. These guys. Oh, they have you're to telling know. Me they're, yeah, you're telling me they're not taking tests? I don't know what the protocol is, and I would love to know what it is inside these locker rooms, but they got team doctors. 
You don't think any of them know how to do a urine test and see what comes back? Right. So actually, think- I actually did a little bit of research on, on the drug testing policy. All players are tested at the beginning of the uh, preseason training mm-hmm. camp. And that's the only time every player is tested. Right. The rest of the time, you know, each week, 10 players per team are, are tested. So you can be tested up to six times, but there's players that are saying, hey, I've never been tested. And if you are got, like, a, a reason why, they test you more often, you know. So you could go through the whole season and not get tested. So as long as you're not taking it week one, you may not get busted for it. You may not know, you know. And in the off season, they're not they're not checking these guys. Um, they... I, I mean, I think they do check him in the off season, but it's not as, as stringent. Um, but you've got to be responsible for what you put in your body. Um, and, and I think on the on the flip side, there's a, a recreational drug thing that's that the NFL doesn't talk about. I know a lot of these guys get busted for for pot and stuff like that. Um, but in the off season, they don't test for drugs. You know, so. I, if if I'm an NFL, these guys team, are cycling off. It's not. It's oh yeah, they the they know when to cut off. Um, so I actually have a a buddy who is a local police officer for one of the departments in, in Central Florida, and he um, busted Chris Johnson, a uh, uh, Tennessee Titans former running back in the late two thousands. But he he pulled Chris Johnson over every off season for I, I think it was like several years. Uh, he he is a Orlando uh, native. He lives here uh, in the off season, and uh, there's other stories about him. He he was a real piece of work, and I, I don't like the guy. But he got busted every year by my he buddy. Run, he could run that football though. And he CJ could run that football. 2K. But he would Go get on. busted every year with possession of marijuana, with cocaine, with pills. And what would happen? His boy in the car says, hey, that's mine. And then Chris Johnson bailed him out. Or, I mean, it's the same, same old song and dance. I mean, you talk. Oh, and I, and I don't think this is isolated just Chris Johnson. It's just oh, an no, example that I have. I think that there are a large number of players in the NFL who, in the offseason, go ham. And they just they have fun. Maybe they do some supplements that aren't on the approved list. So by the time the you know season comes up, it says, "Hey, man, I just had good. I had good off season." You know. But uh, there was a picture that came out of like Christian McCaffrey a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember, but he looked freaking jacked in the preseason. Oh uh, no! Come on, these guys. Come on, they're all you know. There's a difference. It, Difference between making a twenty million dollar guaranteed contract and a forty million dollar guaranteed right. contract. Make that. You money. know what I'm saying? So, should I'm not saying they all do it? All right, you know, Tom Brady probably hasn't taken steroids. No, I, I think that he's probably one of the few. He's he's very rigid about what he puts in his body and and the even just the food he eats. You know, um, I guess when you make that much money and your wife makes even more than you, you can kind of do that. But uh, you know, so let me ask you this. Should players be allowed to take whatever supplement, whatever steroid, whatever they want? They know that they know what's going to happen to them in the long run. But should players be allowed? The baseball players, NFL players, should they just be allowed to take take whatever you want? Just know that there's a there's a side effect to it. Right. So I have a very hypocritical opinion uh, when it comes to the performance enhancing drugs, and I think my for me personally the the line is when you cross into a physical contact game versus a non-physical contact game. I don't care if you do it in baseball. You know why? Because baseball is boring. You know why? Because okay? chicks take long yeah, ball. I want to see home runs. Right. I want to see the long ball, just like you said. You but know, I never thought football, of it that way. Right. When you get into football, you're talking about, I mean, let's look at some examples, okay? The one that comes to mind is Bill Romanowski. Has it been open since he retired about the fact that he took antibiotic steroids for quite some time? Um, you're talking about a sport where you're taking, like I mentioned earlier, when we were talking about the Sarah Fuller, Fuller story, you're talking about guys that are 250 pounds, 
of pure muscle running full speed at other people, right? And, you know, CTE is a thing. It's not fake, all right? We don't like to talk about it, but it's real. That's my line. Physical contact versus non-physical contact. When you can hurt somebody and hurt them worse than maybe you would have if you weren't taking steroids, that's probably the line that shouldn't be crossed. I agree with you. Um, I never thought of it from a physical contact perspective, but uh, I'm good with that line. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Josh Allen take some steroids and, th- and throw the ball, the ball from the one-yard line into the, into the other end zone. Yeah, right. it'd be great. Who needs but you punter? know what? Right, right. So just no more punting. Just throw it up 80 yards down the field and let them intercept it, right? But uh, it's, it's too much of a risk. Um, you know, football is a whole other beast. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a good idea and – Hockey and then like basketball's on the fringe because let's be real, it's not really a contact sport anymore by today's standards. Um, but yeah, like once th- you're hitting people, once you're, yeah, once you're hitting people like that, I mean, yeah, you, know, you got to think yeah. about other people's you know getting hurt. I mean, that's <clears throat> right. You want to win the game. You don't want to see anybody get injured, right? Right. So. I think you're right. All right, let's move on to our our picking this week, or I guess our last two weeks. We'll recap uh, week eleven. Mike takes week 11 at 8 and 6. Brian and I both went 7 and 7. Week 12, Brian and I tied once again at 12 and 4. Mike just right behind us at 11 and 5. Um, so I am still one game up on you, and Mike is uh, about five back from the lead. So we're still all right in there. Um, going into this week, a lot of picks the same. Um, the three of us are, are very much in sync, I think, right now, and, and I think that the uh, this, the matchups kind of show that. I mean, you got Seahawks and Giants, Eagles and Packers, you know, Broncos and Chiefs. So there's a lot of a lot of lopsided games here, uh, but the one game that you and I differentiated on is the Rams at the Cardinals. You taking the Rams, me taking the Cardinals. Go ahead and start us off. Yeah, I mean. It's- I would have felt a lot better about this pick because I made it before. I was it before? No, it was after. I can't even say that. I, I they just lost. The Rams just lost to the Niners. I felt they would have won that game at home. But I feel like both both teams have been very inconsistent. Yeah, I so say the uh, Cardinals just lost to the to the Patriots. Yeah, Cardinals should have lost the last two games, but don't make me relive that. <laughs> okay, hey. um, but. Um, you know, I, I think the Rams still have a better defense. It's in Arizona. That's not helping me. I'm just looking to pick up a game here, and I think the Rams have a chance. Yeah. I think they still have a better record than the Cardinals right now, so I'm just hoping that they get those. And I don't want to talk, you know, talk too long about this, but what the hell's going on with Jared Goff? I mean, gee, man, Christmas. He's just a game manager, man. He's not going to win you games. He's not going to, well, I'll say he's not going to lose you games, but, I mean, he's he's not going to lose you too many games. He's not going to win you too many games. He's Unless just going to. that game's the Super Bowl. <laughs> he's just going to, he's going to get you there, you know. Right, and, so. So, to me, it, it's, I had to make a decision on Kyler Murray versus Goff, and I went with, with Murray. Right, and I can't blame you, so it's kind of a toss-up in my opinion. <clears throat> so, the last game that we differentiated on were, were, uh, Washington at Steelers. Brian and I are the smart bets here. We're taking the undefeated Steelers, and Mike is the homer taking the Washington football team. I think that's all we got to say about that. I don't, um, I don't see Washington coming close to the Steelers, but, uh, you know, we talked about earlier. Crazier they only win, things. Uh, they only win games by a touchdown. Right. Anyway, so. Crazier things have happened. <clears throat> So we'll move into to who you got. So last Saturday, we saw the return of two boxing legends, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. faced off in an exhibition fight. At a combined 105 years of age, the two fought to the draw. But the true entertainment came from an undercard match versus former Disney child actor and YouTuber Jake Paul knocking out former professional basketball player Nate Robinson. After the fight, Jake Paul called out former... UFC featherweight champion and lightweight champion Conor McGregor. This is actually the second time he's called him out. If Paul was to go head-to-head with McGregor, Brian, who you got? McGregor in like 15 seconds. It's not even close. 
He's doing this for publicity. There's no other reason. Listen, I've seen actually all of, of Jake Paul's fights, and I give him credit. He no, he definitely trained. has some skills. He trains. I believe him and and his brother were both wrestlers in uh, their youth. And I don't know if they went to college, but they were they were competitive wrestlers at some level. Um, so they, they've got a, a background, uh, particularly in the UFC. Mm-hmm. But it's Conor McGregor, man. It's Get out of here, uh, Paul. I love he, he, I love Conor McGregor. Oh, I yeah, love too. I'll be the first person to admit it. Can you imagine it. those pre-match like press conferences? Yeah. Oh my <coughs> Logan, gosh, Jake Paul would be crying by the time it's over with. Oh, I just want I just want to watch that. The whole Paul family is just a joke at this point. <laughs> but you know what? It's working for him. Hey. Um, but there's a uh, obvious, that money. Even if they were wrestling in in their youth, apparently they got to a point where they figured out I'm gonna have to do something else, <laughs> <laughs> and they went to YouTube. So right. um, no, I mean I can't remember how fast Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo right. to win his first belt. I'm thinking something similar would probably happen. Yeah. I mean, there's talks about McGregor taking on Khabib. Khabib's right now the reigning champion. I know he's retired now, but I mean, so he, McGregor's yeah, talking about fighting fight. Khabib. Oh, certainly. I want the rematch. Certainly, but you know, there's talks about that as opposed to him fighting Jake Paul. <clears throat> right. I mean, how? There's no draw to that fight because it's not a real realistic fight. I'd rather see McGregor, um, Khabib, or McGregor. Um, Floyd Mayweather round two. Yeah. Boxing. And just boxing. I'd rather see him just box him again because I thought that was a good fight. I'm fine with that too. I I, want to see McGregor fight anybody except for Jake Paul. I I, I take it back. I don't mind him knocking the snot out of Jake Paul. I'm okay with that. No, I'd like to see it. All right, Brian, take us into this day in sports. This day in sports history, December 2nd, 2020, we're going to go back to 1984, and yes, Logan, it's another Miami Dolphin, this day in sports history. Dan Marino breaks the NFL season, single-season touchdown pass record when he throws his 37th touchdown in a Dolphins 45-34 loss to the Raiders. He would finish the 84 season with 48 touchdown passes, which I, would, which I believe – Stood as the record until just recently. Um, Peyton Manning. Well, Peyton Manning and then Tom Brady um, and almost every quarterback every year since then because all they do (laughs) is throw the ball in the NFL. Um, But impressive stat for 1984 um, for a man who held all the stats at one time. Yeah. I mean, look at that jump, though, from, what, 37 to to 48? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question that he kind of revolutionized the passing game. The Dolphins, you know, kind of were the passing team in the 80s. Um, when you had a guy like Dan Marino, I mean, what else are you going to do? And I, I just went on the record. I did not pick this category. <laughs> Duly noted. Uh, but with that, uh, we'll sign off for uh, today's episode. Again, um, as Logan mentioned in the uh, beginning of the podcast, thank you for your interaction on social media. Um, our handles are at the number two, two guys and a mic. That's the number two for two guys and a mic on both Facebook and Twitter. Um, please comment, post, follow, like, whatever your desire is on those pages. More interaction. That's what we're looking for. Until next week, Brian and Logan, Mike will be back. Two guys and a mic. Have a good one.